I had my Gethsemane experience two weeks after I saved. Mark seems to have had his in 1994. Remember you were saying you just laid it yes. all out. You just said, mm. you just sweat drops of blood. You say, I'm giving up the battle, not my will, but yours be done. And I think it happened to me two weeks after I saved, once the dust had settled and I began to become aware of what had actually happened, that I'd found immortality, everlasting life. This wasn't something to be trifled with. This wasn't just a change of lifestyle or, or a new sport. This was something worthy of my life being dedicated to, and that's what I did in that moment. And that was my Gethsemane experience, not my will, but yours be done. Way down in the jungle where nobody goes, there's a boogie-woogie washing woman washing her clothes with a rub-a-dub here and a rub-a-dub there. There's a boogie-woogie washing woman washing her clothes. Scotty, if you can just cut that. <laughs> just <laughs> eradicate it. Uh, camp songs. Oh, I so love camp songs. Is that from the 1980s advertising some, something? No, it was a camp song. When I, I, when I was in high school, I did... ROP. You guys remember ROP? Nope. ROP nope. classes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, military. Yeah, well, no. C-R-O-P. That's pretend. ROTC. Oh, pretend. The crop classes. What's that? The, the crop classes. Yeah, right. what they do different yeah. things. Like, they would yeah. teach you, you know, so I did an ROP class in recreational leadership. And so, remember... Uh, and you after learned nothing after, after you got kicked out of high school. This is, this is after, yeah, after I got born again and then got back in and then did one of those. Did you guys, you guys remember outdoor science school? Uh, sixth, science camp? Sixth grade? Yeah, yeah my son just went on Did you do that, Mark? No, 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 no. Yeah, anyway, I, I loved it. But uh, I remember um, I, the camp songs, man. You guys remember the one? Um, In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lions That's a Disney tonight. song, isn't it? That's a Disney one. Yeah, that's not a camp hey, song. Yo, 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 or whatever. You don't have to do that. That's Lion King. That's Lion King. <laughs> Is it? Or nice. I'm Just a Bill, sitting here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> uh, uh, what was that? Rock and roll. What is that called? I don't remember. Oh. Uh, that show. I'm just a I'm bill. I'm just a bill. You guys know before Capitol uh, Hill. Bef- same, same with uh, the train one. Remember what are conjunction, these? Conjunction. What's, what's your, your function? function? That's right. Ray, well, have you heard of these? Songs? No, but it's good for you to feel like I feel. We <laughs> <laughs> just left. Ray just left the building. But oh. there, there, there's something about uh, camps, man. I, did you guys grow up camping? Going to camps, like I did. Church camps. You did, Ray. Yeah, you know, when when we when I was really little, my parents used to take me camping, and I loved it. Yeah, you really loved it. I loved it uh, as a kid. I I wanted to be a like a camp counselor camp before Ranger? before I decided to go into ministry. I thought, oh, that would be so cool. But when I went on that outdoor science school uh, as a counselor, uh, they made me change my "I Love Jesus" shirt <laughs> that I was wearing around camp. Really? Big old I, you know, the heart Jesus shirt. And it, it didn't even dawn on me. They kept like the, you know, the leaders kept, and then finally one of the... Like, it was a secular camp. You said yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, you need to take that off. And I wanted it's to so fight not it. legal. Ah, I wanted to fight it. It probably isn't, is it? Yeah. You going to sushi tonight right here? Yeah. What did the bee say to the sushi? Wasabi. <laughs> <laughs> did you look that up, Oscar? Straight from the heart, right? <laughs> yeah. We got to get Ray to eat sushi. I I've did in Japan. Sushi. I ate in Japan. Went with Mark. He likes his sushi well done. It's really, it's lady food. Oh. Give, give me a steak. Oh, sushi is glorious. I love Mark, yeah. when did you finally 
surrender your life to sushi. Well, I've missed out on many sushi encounters when you with think you back. and Trent oh. and uh, Aaron and Matt. Yeah. You guys all liked it, and I just was not into it. I didn't understand it in the texture. When was it that it mm. just Well, I, it clicked? slowly, I started with California rolls, which, truth be told, Speaking I don't think rolls, is a Speaking of rolls, why are you rolling sushi, your eyes, sushi. Ray? Because right. it's seaweed wrapped around rice, and you're thinking about it. Ooh, yum. Oh, my mouth you haven't even yeah, seen delicious. <laughs> but like a rainbow roll? Yeah. Like really, really good. That's roll. my wow, favorite. how woke. Oh, that's what I get. <laughs> oh, man. That's what I get. And the, the reason, yeah, because you get so many different types yeah. of My fish. My daughter Ella one. loves rainbow rolls. Yeah. Absolutely loves them. I love straight sashimi. Yeah. Oh. Get yeah, rid of the rice. You, yeah. you stick away from the rice? I'll do some, but most of it, like 80% of my order is sashimi. Wow. Give me the fish. Oh, Just not like glorious. a big chunk of it. Like, yeah, whatever. Cut, cut up really kind of smaller. Medium to large like size chunks. Do. What? What? Ray's getting bored here. Come in and can out. Can we move on? Double, I didn't like double, fish. in and out. Fish. Double, double sashimi? Double, I, double I'd love sashimi. to sneak sushi into Ray's cereal bowl, have him pour milk over it, and just not know what he's eating. <laughs> right, but Ray's done some. with cereal. Yeah, I thought you were off the cereal. I'm back oh, into yeah, cereal. Oh, yeah, Ray. I've found some cereal. You've thrown okay. in the towel. Yeah. I know, you like fell off years. the wagon, or are fell you on the off, wagon? I, I couldn't eat cereal because it wasn't good for me. Is it the cereal, or is it the but milk? But I found, I, I drink raw milk, which is really good. Um, it isn't past your eyes, it goes straight to your mouth. Regular then, milk? Yeah, it's re- regular raw milk, mm. and uh, it's good. And so I've got some cereals that I can eat, so I drown in cereal every Captain day. Crunch? No. <laughs> Julia. If you, what is your favorite cereal, like, given it's that you can eat it? It's Weetabix, I haven't had it for years. So what do you settle for? Weetabix. You've seen it. You would have seen but, but it in Trader Ray, Joe's. Why not in years? Like have one bowl I once get in a instant while. heartburn. Oh, oh Straight after got instant. It. Wow. So well, it's because you wheat. bought it by the pallet. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 Ray. How many boxes did you get? It was 240. <laughs> you did really? One <laughs> order? You never heard about that? No. 240 boxes. <laughs> <laughs> 50 atheists, cents or what? Atheists on my uh, atheist, a, a Facebook page were saying, you liar. I had to take a picture of the pallet of... Cereal and send it to them. That is so you. Wow. Mm. Extreme measures. But what is the cereal of choice that you like now? Weetabix. Oh, now I can't remember what it is. So the, uh, in it's, Minnesota, we had uh, the Mall of America. They had a cereal store. Oh. It was like Kellogg's. <laughs> oh, and it was yeah. so great. So I Heard was there uh, about a month ago or so, and I told my daughter, we, we have to go to the cereal place. It's so great. And I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I couldn't find it anywhere. And I looked it up and said it's been out of business for more than 10 years. What? I'm I really want to years ago start a cereal like restaurant, but what you do is you have live cows hanging from the ceiling and you just reach up and up and do real fresh in, milk straight into the. Well, cereal. Julia last night was talking about, well, she opened the cupboards and saw frosted flakes in there and just ah, started screaming. And we were talking about how that stuff must have cocaine in it or something. <laughs> it's so There's good. something about it's all frosted sugar. flakes. I used to put sugar on my frosted no. flakes. No, I did. That's ridiculous. That's so crazy. That's like putting salt on salt water. As yeah. a kid, I was all about the cinnamon toast crunch. No. We we still are at our house. Come yeah. on over. Frosted really? Flakes right was my first encounter with like America. I remember as a kid. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. It's like that distinct <laughs> memory. I mean, you, I'm coming Girl, from eating why. hummus every day and you know whatever, and all of a sudden I taste this glory of frosted Pure flakes. Sugar. Did you not you have know, cereal in Lebanon? Uh, probably not. Oh, we'd eat like sand, goats, sand. curdled milk, <laughs> and stuff <laughs> like that with Seriously? olives. 
I don't know. Camel? <laughs> camel. Camel. Camel, right, camel with milk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would you like some frosted camel ears? Yeah. But, but you think frosted flakes so stupid. What is it? It's a stupid little flake with some sugar on it. There's nothing to it. Well, it's uh, actually manna. If you look up manna and see uh, the description of manna in yeah, the Old Testament, balls. it's definitely That's frosted flakes. Baklava. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's baklava. baklava. If you've seen I, the I've description, you out, Oscar, it was sweet. And it was a flake. Yeah, buckle that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, things. friends, enough of the stupidity, which you're probably immune to by now. Anyway, here's a comment from, hello, friends. No, that's not, again, <laughs> no name, Oscar. My name is Joseph. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry? <laughs> Would you like to repent? Apologize on national televised podcast. My name is Joseph Aaron, and I want to tell you how you have helped my everyday walk with Christ, but I can't. <laughs> just kidding. You guys have inspired me to preach the gospel. At the beginning of the year, I resolved to memorize the gospel of John, and I went to livingwaters.com and purchased 100 copies of the gospel of John to give to 100 people that I talked to about the good news. Keep up the good work, wow. Joseph. Joseph, praise the Lord. Uh, write us and tell us once you've memorized John, and if you do that and we see the comment, we'll read it on air and celebrate with you. The Gospel of John, that was the first gospel I tried to memorize as a new believer. Wow. I got as far as almost in? the end of chapter three, <laughs> <laughs> as far as the end. And then I quit because I was trying to memorize every verse and its reference, and oh, it got very typical. monotonous. So I do it differently. And what version? Uh, new American Standard Amplified. back then. <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. All right. This podcast is brought to you by the Living Waters Podcast Mug. You think people are tired of hearing about it? I am. <laughs> Seriously, I think, oh, what product do we have to do? Mug. Yeah. Mug. Mug. Yeah, I'm adding some others. How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers book. Ray, why did you write this? I have no idea. <laughs> Something to do. That was one of those four books. Was this one of your last books yes, ever? Yes, that was the last book. Yes. Got to keep, yes. keep you wet. Got to keep you wet. Uh, yeah, in this book, Ray Comfort exposes biblical truths revealing how the fear of the Lord is key to entering God's holy presence and receiving his blessings. Whether or not God hears your prayers doesn't matter at all until you're hanging over a thousand foot cliff by your teeth. You're upside down in a mm-hmm. severe turbulence in a plane. That's when you need to know if God hears your prayers. Help. Ah, no atheists in foxholes, huh? Mm-hmm. There's no atheists in turbulence. Mm. What no would that sound period. like? That's Praying true. in midair as you fall to the ground. What is the per- You know, Daniel, your son, said... Um, Danny? Comfort. Oh, excuse me. He said, Mark, you know what? You know, there was a point where I realized you were a Christian. Now, bear in mind, we've been working together for several <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, we all had doubts, Mark. But we, we were on our way to one of our transformed conferences, and we hit some severe turbulence, mm. so much so where the plane took like a little dive down, and I thought we were going down. And so I yelled on the plane. I said... Let's do this. <laughs> Daniel was sitting right behind me. He's all, you know, I think Mark is a Christian. <laughs> Mark, well, you, no, I know it's Mark, not. Sorry, just, before we change the subject, what do you normally yell? It's normally, <laughs> we're going to die, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Or, oh, no, we're going to die. When Ray's traveling too close to the car in front of us or something. I go, oh, boy. I have to be the one driving. This is, is what it. I've noticed. Yes. Ray, Mark, how did you give out tracks in Japan? Oh, should you say this? It's not culturally <laughs> sensitive. I mean, you have to be culturally sensitive because of the culture, mm. right? And so I, I wanted to look it up. I had to get the accent. No. Right? And it, it goes like this. 
right, did you get one of these? <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, and then there your, go the speakers. Your throat the starts to bleed after that. And, <laughs> we uh, couldn't give out tracks in Japan and Tokyo until I, we did some magic. Some magic. We did a little bit of magic, and we had crowds just saying, I'll take anything you got. It was yeah. amazing. Ah. Oh. Sushi tracks. Mm. That's ah, what we need. Sushi man. tracks. All right, friends. Today we're going to go into the garden. The garden of Mark and Ray distraction. That's the garden. What are you doing? We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. My, my, my microphone's been on all this time. What? <laughs> and what? it's been recording everything we were saying <laughs> no. in a text to Bart McCurdy. Bart McCurdy. <laughs> and I, I think it he even says, did you get one of these somewhere? Oh, no. <laughs> I better, I don't know how to stop that. I'll yeah. Turn off. Anyways, back to the podcast. Today, we're going into the Garden of Gethsemane. Does it conjure up pray? I preach the gospel in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's you one of the did. highlights of my life, yeah. Because oh, we did. had the cameras rolling. We were going to record something, and they didn't have it completely ready. So the cameras pointed at me. I had this couple sitting there that obviously weren't Christians by the look of them. I no. don't know how you can tell. <laughs> and so I went through the whole gospel to the camera out loud in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a great thrill. What does it look like? Yeah, I was there. It's just eh? like there's plants and that. And there's really weird looking trees. Olive are, trees. Yeah, there's old, thousands of years old. Yeah, old, old. olive trees. That they, they believe some of them date back to the, to the time of Christ. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. this one that's got carved in a, um, I was here, Peter. <laughs> and then I left. <laughs> <laughs> but Ray, remember how gnarly. Have you seen my ear? Ray, remember remember how gnarly those trees were though? They, like that's I mean, what I'm saying. They're twisted. twisted and and yeah. oh, they you were, meant gnarly like the literal like gnarly, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were yeah, twisted. They looked and, like they could run after you and kill you. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but but I've never been. Oh, you got oh you've never been to Israel. Well, there's Israel. the Brook Kidron, oh, there's the Oscar. Garden of Gethsemane, there's uh, Galilee. We hated going to traditional sites. They, they did yeah. you'd be driving in and the, the guy'd say that was the uh, whatever you call it. He would say, uh, this is a traditional site, which means we don't know if Jesus was here or oh, not. So I didn't uh, want to go there. That's why I love places like the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, where, you yeah, know, you knew sure. yeah, Jerusalem. You yeah, knew it's definitely sure. on my bucket list. Oh, you gotta go. Yeah. I mean it, it was amazing. I've been mm. three times. Mark, you okay. loved it. you loved Israel. Yeah, it was great. It's you know, it's been said that two weeks in Israel is the equivalent of a full semester at Bible college, mm. because it puts everything in its proper perspective, 
geographically, especially, right? If you're going on the Sea of Galilee, heading over to Decapolis, the 10 cities, everything, the Mount of Olives, I, I can see you're, you're facing. And uh, then you have, I mean, everything, it just kind of puts yeah, everything all, into perspective. It's pieced together for you. Everything's just visual in the head. Just make sure when you go there, you drink from Jacob's well. No, <laughs> don't do that. Don't <laughs> do that. Israel is an open-air preacher's nightmare because everywhere there's stones. Oh, just yeah. waiting to pound you. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. You who stone the prophets. Yeah, boy. What what were we thinking, Ray, when it we wasn't went to me. Ben Yehuda you Street? Led the way. Ben Yehuda Street. You're the you're the sane one. I just followed. Oh, that was insane. How long were you sick for after drinking that water? Two weeks. No, uh, it wasn't two weeks, but it was. Did it ruin hey, the rest of your trip? Let's drink water from this well <laughs> from, <laughs> from a, a spoon that or whatever it was, a ladle was like, that like billions yeah. of people use. Were you thirsty? Dead cats. No, no. Dead cats thrown down no, there. It on was Fridays. just we got caught up like idiots in the moment. <laughs> yeah, the guy said, "This is the well." I can't imagine you getting like caught the, up with idiots. This is the Samaritan well that Jesus drank from. You want to drink? Yeah. It's like the Jesus River. Yeah. Oh boy. Anyways, so but you yeah. won't eat sushi, Ray. No, <laughs> yeah, no. Jesus didn't eat sushi, and then we went to the uh, Dead Sea. Easy and had a great time there. Oh yeah, don't remind me, Ray. All right, let's go to the garden. Let's go to the garden. So, Garden of Gethsemane. This is obviously the scene of Jesus' great travail just before he heads to the cross, right after Passover, where we find the famous Last Supper scene. This is a dark moment. This is a very tumultuous, turmoil-filled scene in the life of Jesus. And we actually find this in all the gospel, even uh, gospels, even John cites it. So it's found in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, Luke 22, and then John 18. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. We need to get that mm button. Mm. We really mm. do. Mm. So yeah, guys, it, it's a dark, foreboding time. And uh, I'd love to just open it up for anyone who wants to jump yeah, in. Yeah, that must have been frightening for the disciples because Jesus was so utterly confident and filled with faith and suddenly he's sweating drops of blood and being mm. fearful and trembling. Oh. Uh, it must have been very disconcerting for them. What I like to think of is that I had my Gethsemane experience two weeks after I saved. Mark seems to have had his in 1994. Remember you were saying you just laid it yes. all out. You just said mm. you just sweat drops of blood you say, I'm giving up the battle, not my will, but yours be done. And I think it happened to me two weeks after I was saved, once the dust had settled and I began to become aware of what had actually happened, that I'd found immortality, everlasting life. Mm. This wasn't something to be trifled with. This wasn't just a change of lifestyle or, or a new sport. This was something worthy of my life being dedicated to, and that's what I did in that moment. And that was my Gethsemane experience, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and let, let's look at how it opens up. I mean, let, let's look at the, the account in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Mm. Stay here and watch with me. We don't typically envision Jesus getting this candid with the disciples, right? I mean, this is the God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke in all things leapt into existence. And he's looking at these men that he made, that he fashioned and formed with his own hand, and he's telling them, I, I am sorrowful, I'm deeply distressed, even unto death. 
what was going on there, Oscar? Well, first, let me, I, I love the way you just described that. Like the creator of these disciples is Jesus and they're seeing him. You know, I think us as, as children of parents, there's often a time in which um, we, we see our dads like for the first time cry or we see our dads get cancer. And it's like this hero of our childhood. There's basically a moment, I think, in most kids' childhoods when they realize their dad is not Superman. Hmm. Their dad is human. Really? And this is, this is, I think this moment in the scriptures puts the incarnation of Christ on display just as much as trying to wrap your head around the reality that he was a baby mm. in need of care. Oh. Mm. Because, you know, we, like, we, I, there was kind of a joke that was mentioned when you uh, cleared your throat in the last episode. You know, it was like, oh, you know, Jesus would never do that. Actually, Jesus did clear his throat. Jesus did get sick. Jesus did have dirt under his nails. Jesus likely stubbed his toe. You know, Jesus was human as much as he was God, 100% of both. It's important that we keep that balance lest we fall into heresy. And in this moment, we see that on display. Hmm. We see him looking at and what he's looking at that causes this, this bleeding, this pain, this suffering is really important because here's, here's to answer your question. So many people have died for their faith. The Maccabees had died for their faith a few years before Jesus came onto the scene. Jesus' disciples themselves will die for their faith. And since then, many Christians have died for their faith. And when those people are dying for their faith, they're looking at the suffering. They're looking at the pain that they're about to face. But what does Jesus say in his prayer? He does not say, take this pain from me. He does not say, take this suffering from me. He does not say, take the nails from me. He says, take this cup. Mm. The thing that brought Jesus so much angst in that moment isn't that he was looking at his physical death so much as that he was looking at the fullness of the wrath of God that every saved human deserves. And he knew he was facing it. It was going to be laid upon him. The prayer, take this cup, is such an important indication as to what he was facing in this moment. Wow. Yeah. So if that had happened, we'd have no hope in our death. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And you think of the endurance of Christ through this. You know, Scripture tells us, for the joy set before him in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw this podcast. <laughs> he, he might have said, Wait, oh, that, is that the cross or the hope? <laughs> he would have said, I'm not going, Father. Not if it results in the, And the Lord says, idiots. yeah, I can understand that. Take this uh, podcast from me. <laughs> yeah, but the joy set before him. Mark, what, what, what would that entail? The joy set before him. I mean, that's what enabled him to endure all of this. You, you know, I mean, Jesus was no wimp. Of course, there was the physical pain that was coming, but but it wasn't that, he, that, that that was causing him distress, you know, but yet he endured it for something greater. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with the commentators that say the joy that was set before him was that fellowship that he was going to have, that, that the people were going to be able to have with him. Mm. The joy that was set before him was this unimaginable relationship between the creator and the creation that people were going to be able to fellowship with a God who knows what is happening in the center of Saturn, wow. right? It's 
it, it's beyond our imagination, but that is the joy that we as believers are the joy that was set before him. That when Jesus took the, the cup of the cursed and pressed it to his lips and he drank it till every drop was gone, he did it so that we now can taste and see that he is good, that he is a, a good God, a good and gracious father, a good and gracious God. We talk about how when somebody gets born again, there's fire insurance. But Christianity is so much more than fire insurance. It's so much more than just getting out of hell and into heaven, that we are called into a relationship. And I think that that is, that is missing in the midst of a, an evangelistic call. We just think, well, oh, great, I'm no, longer have to, I'm no longer going to hell. Right, it's a ticket. Yeah, it's that, that ticket into heaven. Jesus is my password. But no, that, that, that's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come just to not allow people to go to hell. We are called into come into the holy of holy, that place where God dwells, and not leave that place mm. to fellowship with God himself. We are that joy that was set before him. And so we see in Scripture that when Jesus was inside the garden and he was sweating drops of blood, uh, I was reading a commentator earlier today that said that it was at that place of death that there was a very good chance that Jesus would have died at that moment if the angel was not sent to strengthen him. Mm. That there is nothing more that can vex the soul than when you're at that place in your extremities where blood is actually coming out of your capillaries, they're coming out of the pores. It was not possible. We will never experience that. We'll never see that. We'll never understand that, that this is the great mystery when the father literally had to blink for the first time and take his eyes off of the, the second person of the Trinity to mm. allow that wrath to fully come down upon the Son of Man, the Son of God. Wow. Easy, can you walk us through, many people will ask, was him, you know, his sweat turned to blood? Is that metaphorical? Can that actually happen? Can you get into the details of that? Yeah, well, it's an actual medical term called hematidosis. And it's, as Mark alluded to, something that happens in very rare instances of extreme, extreme anguish and distress. I mean, think about it. We've all gone through times like that when we've been distressed and in our lives. Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, or, you know, we've seen people who are distressed. I mean, look, I, I've seen, unfortunately, martyrs who are about to be beheaded by Muslim captors, you know, and those videos have played. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen them sweat great drops of blood before they, they were beheaded. I mean, how much more torturous can it be to think I'm about to have my head severed, but yet it, it, it didn't happen. So it's, it's really rare, but it's a real medical condition mm -hmm. that can actually happen. And it just shows the, the, the degree to which Christ was in distress. And again, it highlights for us the reality of the humanity of Christ, that it wasn't some illusion that he became a man. He clothed himself, robed himself in human flesh, became poor in doing that so that he can go to that cross, give his life, that we might become spiritually rich in him. And yeah. that's just beyond description. So let, let, let's move forward now to, to what happens then. It says, he went a little farther and fell on his face praying and prayed saying, oh, Father, if it is possible, let mm. this cup pass from me. But then Ray, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
Speak to the significance of those words. Well, I'd like to give a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Yes. Uh, to what we're talking about, and I hope I don't fluff this because it's so beautiful. To 12, no. To 11 only was the privilege given to enter Gethsemane and see this great sight. Out of the 11, eight were left at some distance. They had fellowship, but not of that intimate sort to which the men greatly beloved are admitted. Only three highly favored ones who had been with him in the Mount of Transfiguration and had witnessed the life-giving miracle in the house of Jairus, only these three could approach the veil of his mysterious sorrow. Hmm. Within that veil, even there, these must not intrude. A stone's cast distance must be left between. He must tread the wine press alone, and of the people, there must be none with him. Wow. Isn't that powerful? <laughs> so Just powerful. cutting them back. Back you go, back you go. This must be done alone. Oh, it's heavy. And, yeah. and yet, Ray, he, he had asked if there's any possible way for the cup to pass, that it would. But then he uttered those words, not my will, but yours be done. Mm. I wouldn't have said the last words. Yeah. You know, yeah. Adam said the same thing, if you would, inside the garden to some degree, but with the, with the twist, not thy will, but my will Ooh. be done. Mm. He excused himself from the marching call of God. And because of that, we are born into the Adamic nature. Wow. The second Adam takes it in a different direction. Yeah. Oscar that. took a breath, which means there's something coming. Here it comes. Ooh. Brace. Ooh. And Ooh. God. Uh, this prayer, I, I talked before about the incarnation and not forgetting that he's fully human. And yet this prayer is also remind, remind us that he's fully divine, that he's a part of the Trinity. Because mm. this prayer, it's not a prayer against God. It's not a prayer questioning God. It's a prayer to God. But it's also a prayer that recognizes the suffering of the plan, but it also recognizes the sovereignty of the plan. Hmm. And the way in which he prays could only be the prayer of a Trinitarian son to a Trinitarian father. Hmm. And the way the commentator from my commentary says it, he says like this, he only prays. He does not demand. He does not advance any claims. He does not lay upon God any conditions. He does not reserve any future obedience. He simply prays. Wow, I love that. And what a prayer, you know, that is. And ultimately, this is the very heart of the believer when the believer is spiritually minded. Mm. You know, like Jesus said to Peter, you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. When we're mindful of the things of God, the automatic utterance that will come from our lips is ultimately not my will, but yours be done. Because my will is self-centered. My will is the easy road. My will is anything but the, the path that leads to the cross, which is what? Self-mortification, death to self. But his will will include things that we won't necessarily want to choose for ourselves, but that will never allow us to grow in the ways that we should if we don't go through them, you know? And so ultimately a Christian says, as much as I may want this, that, or the other, I want what you want, Lord, because my life is yours. C.S. Lewis said in Gethsemane, the holiest of all petitioners prayed three times that a certain cup might pass from him. It did not. Wow. Which is very powerful, isn't it? You'd think Jesus would have had sway with the Father in that sense, but often we pray for certain things, they just don't happen because it's not God's sovereign will. Wow. He looks to the future. Who would have guessed what? was going to happen. The disciples certainly didn't. And that's the epitome of trust, isn't it? It's, mm. I can't see what's coming, but I understand that the one who declared 
that it's all going to work out is true. And so I'm going to walk forward and not become undone. Because that's really the thing, you know, when we talk about faith and when we talk about trusting the Lord, ultimately, what does it mean? I think ultimately it means not just doing the right thing, but maintaining composure. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can do the right thing, kicking and screaming, grumbling, murmuring, complaining, or we can do the right thing with a heart that says, Lord, you're worthy of me doing the right thing. You're not asking me to do something that, that is like horrible and that's going to be destructive. Ultimately, even if I can't see a good outcome right before my eyes, that's what it ultimately will be because it results in your glory and it results in eternal affairs being advanced. So therefore, Lord, I'm going to keep that right composure. I mean, that's at least what our cry should be. Help me, God, to, to, to have the right heart and attitude. Yeah, it's seeing over the red sea. It's seeing past the lion's teeth. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wise to finish a prayer, right? And say, I think I want this, but nevertheless, not my will, your will. Mm. You see the bigger picture. You know, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, mm. when Jesus said, what do you want? And he says that I might see spiritually. Jesus knew what he wanted. Mm. But how much more would have taken place if he would have said, man, if I could see spiritually. Yeah, you meant physically. Yeah, if, yeah, I, if, I, if, if I could see spiritually instead of physically. Yeah. You know, or we have uh, Solomon when he asked for wisdom. What a great prayer. Mm-hmm. He could have ha- asked for anything. He what had, would have he happened? Had, he had everything. He had her. <laughs> there was nothing left. You can't have everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where would you put it? <laughs> right. But what would have happened if Solomon would have said, I think I want wisdom to lead these your people, mm. but Lord, you know better than I do. Yeah. You, know, you, you could choose. have said, I want more wives. No, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. No one can serve two masters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Or you're 200. In, you're, yeah. in, you're in trouble now. Spence. Okay. So, so. So we see this now, Christ is crying out to the Father. It says in verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. This is huge. Yeah. And said to Peter, what? <laughs> I love it. The, the divine son of God saying, what? <laughs> to his disciples, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And he did enter into temptation. And he denied the Lord three times. That's right. So did did it say in another in another gospel they were sleeping for sorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then let, I'll let you jump in, Oscar. But but let's not forget this. So we touch on it. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, Oscar, good. go ahead. Yeah. Again, here we are to really illuminate what the New Testament intends, what the author intends to show us. We have to understand the Old Testament especially the Exodus. And so we are in Passover week when this is happening. And remember that God required the Israelites to stay awake because it was God who stayed awake that did the work all night long in Passover, saving the firstborn of the Israelites. And so Exodus 12 verse 42 is key to understanding because someone might be like, that's so weird. Why did they fall asleep? I don't get it. Listen, Exodus 12, verse 42, because the Lord kept vigil to bring them out of Egypt, he now commands them, on this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil. He was the watchman that stayed up at night to make sure that the the firstborn children of Israelites stayed alive. Mm. And he asks of them on this Passover night to remember my work, your work is to stay up. And here the disciples all fall asleep. They didn't keep watch. What does this tell us? It tells us that the work of salvation is God's alone. Mm. 
that he alone stood awake, that he alone holds the keys of the kingdom, that he alone was going to bring salvation to his disciples and to us. They could not play their part. And so he played the part for them. Wow. <laughs> what a touch of grace, you know? And it's easy to overlook that. We just kind of focus in on, hey, they're falling asleep, they're not praying. But the significance of that and the dynamic of our God's faithfulness, mm. you know, even when we're, when we're weary. I, I love it in the word it says, you know, in, in James, if we deny him, if we are faithless, he remains faithful he cannot deny himself, <laughs> you know? It's like your unfaithfulness is not going to move God and what he is committed to no matter what, you know? That's good. And so then he comes back a second time. He went away and prayed and saying, my father, if this cup can, cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. I mean, again, Jesus modeling for us, right? It's okay to to, to, to be candid with the Lord. Obviously, Jesus knew that he was going to go to the cross. He knew this was going to happen. But in a manner, he was sort of displaying the lament in his heart for what was to come, you know, and, and was, was communing with the Father. Easy, what, how do you think the revelation came to Jesus as a boy that he was the Lamb of God? Boy, that's a good question. It is. You know, I, 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 I do often wonder what were the dynamics that came to play because he, he grew in knowledge and wisdom, you know, scripture talks about. Was there still though that divine knowledge of this is who I am from the very outset? You know, I don't know, mm. but you know. Yeah, you know, when he was inside the temple and his family went on ahead, you know, he rebuked his, his family, his parents mm. saying, you know, he's 12. Yeah, 12 years old. That they, they should have known that he was going to be about his father's business. Yeah. You know, so there was some sort of communication, at least, between Jesus and his parents. But yeah, that, that is an interesting thought and question, you know, a little mind game there as to what took place in the beginning as he grew in that stature. Do you imagine you know? a little boy looking at the scroll, reading Isaiah, and suddenly his eyes become widened wow. as he realized as who he is. Yeah. Yeah, it's been said that Jesus spent 30 years in preparation for three years of ministry. When we spend three years in preparation of ministry for 30 years of ministry. Wow. You know, I, I, I saw a gentleman who said, if you were, he was asked the question, if you knew you had four years left in life, how would you spend those four years? And I don't think you'll agree with this one, Ray, but it was just an interesting thought. He said, I would spend the first three years becoming fully equipped on knowing what to say and spend the last year heralding what exactly to say so I didn't mess things up, so, you know. Yeah. I just keep on doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Get it done. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so then Jesus comes back a third time. So he left them, went away again and prayed a third time saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. What a moment that must have been. You know, remember before this, they were having the Passover and Jesus said to them, one of you is going to betray me. Mm. And they're conversing amongst themselves. Like, who is it? Is it me? And, and it's, is it me, Lord? Is it me? You know, and Mark, you alluded to Judas teacher, right? Rabbi, is it, is it me? But now it's about to be uncovered. And, and I would assume that they're still wondering, is it, who is it, right? Am I about to do it? I mean, you know, Peter's going to learn. He was warned about the denial, like we, we touched on in one of the podcasts, and he still did it, right? So it's like, maybe 
there were other instances of the sort where Jesus would tell them something, they'd say, no, no, Lord, and then it happens. Like, okay, we can't even trust ourselves, yeah. you know? And, and, then, and, and then it's about to go down. But, but first of all, being watchful and praying lest we enter into temptation. How important is this, guys? Being a, a people Yeah, you know, when Jesus on was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he came down with Peter, James, and John, and they came across the demoniac and they're saying, hey, we, or not the demoniac, but the person who was demon-possessed, and they said, uh, we couldn't cast out the demons. And Jesus said, yeah, well, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Mm. Jesus was not saying, you know what, go pray, go fast, and then come back and perform the deed. No, it, it was understood that you should have been prayed up already. You should have been fasted up already. Jesus didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. Mm. It was understood that you would have a life of spiritual disciplines and piety in order to do the tasks by which God is calling you to do. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, and, and Ray... You feel hungry. You know, Sorry. <laughs> sushi. <laughs> there, there's something that I do in my life that I call preventative prayers. And that is I pray over things in my life that I know I have a tendency to, to be weak in and to fail in. Like what? Um, <laughs> bitterness <laughs> towards Oscar. Pride, <laughs> pride. Every time I look in yeah. the mirror, I have a problem with pride. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I think, in keeping with sort of what Jesus is alluding to, you know, pray lest you enter into temptation. And that's a part of what he taught him to pray, lead us not into temptation. But often we don't have that heart attitude in our spiritual disciplines when it comes to besetting sins or sins that we may fall into. And it's like what Hebrews says, you haven't yet been striving to the shedding of blood in, in your struggle against sin. Yes, yeah, like defensive driving. If you know mm. what defensive driving is, it's very intelligent. It sounds like a pessimist, but what you're looking for is where things can go wrong from every quarter when you're driving. That can save lives. If, you, if you're driving at 40 miles an hour and there's cars each side of you, you're thinking about a door suddenly swinging open. What are you going to do if someone steps out or a kid chases a ball right in front of you? All that's within your mind. And you're ready, you're watching, your, 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 uh, your attitude is, is awakened to it. And that's what we should be like with sin. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's crouching at your d door, waiting to devour you, but you must master it. <laughs> yeah. Sin. So, yeah. So, so as we start to wrap up, now we get to the... To Sorry, the... I can't believe how many people open their car doors actually when you're driving along. So close to you and other people actually get out of their car while there's cars zooming about two feet from them, 40 miles an hour. And they've got no concern for their lives. It just drives me crazy. So I just to get that off my chest. Carry on easy. <laughs> Ray needs a hug. Yes, yeah, yeah, I need this a morning on the way to the group. office. I've read up three here. people. <laughs> yeah. um, was that a better. speed bump? That was my neighbor. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I want to jump to John 18. Mm. Uh, uh, John amen, brother. 18. <laughs> and uh, look at that account now for, for the transition to what happened uh, after all this. It says in verse 18, John, uh, verse 1, John 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the Brook Kidron, where it, there was a garden and when the disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Yeah. And let me just say here for a quick second, I mean, imagine being in a, a place with a lot of sweet memories, you know, and now you're there in this kind of dark scene. It says, and Judas who betrayed him also knew the place for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, who are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Think about that for a moment. Oh. Jesus said, mm. I am he, right? I am. Uh, I didn't look it up, but is this, an, is this equivalent to ego on me? 
You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah. when he said, I am, he could have said, I am, and you were, oh, you know, yeah. and knocked him and killed them all. But he didn't do that. All the way to the end, he had a compassion towards people, sheep without a shepherd, and even healing uh, Malchus's ear, you know, at uh, that, that last moment yeah. that we see. I am, you were, gone. I mean, talk about meekness yes. to, to the utter extent. I mean, think of what he said to Peter, even after he, he cut off the, the servants here. My father can self, send 12 legions of angels. I mean, what do you, what do you so think? So meekness is strength under, under control. control. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, so we see that. So he says, I am he, and poof, I, I would have loved to have witnessed what that was like, yeah. you know? And, On um, which end? Like being one of the apostles or being one of the guys that fell over? Judas. Judas. <laughs> Malchus. Malchus. <laughs> um, then he said again, then they, he asked again, who are you seeking? And, and they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. I mean, look at that. You know, he's, he, he's thinking of his disciples, the ultimate in heroism. You know, you see today, like people being heroic in movies and, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take your place. Or, but, but, but you have to understand, this is God. Not for people he loved, for his enemies, mm. you know, for, for wretched sinners who deserved his wrath. I'm going to cover you. No, no, let these go. I, you've got me. Yeah. You know? No gain to himself. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if Peter was aiming at the ear or was he going to slice him right through his head? I'm pretty sure he probably was aiming for the head. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. And he leans over and boom, you know. Really yeah. glad he leaned over. No, he got an earful. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, there, I mean, to conclude... There's, there's three things we that can take away. To conclude. Uh, it's a meaningless yeah. preacher's type. <laughs> that means we have within 45 minutes. To conclude, look, it's the, the, these passages remind us that first God is with us, also that God is for us, and that God is at work without us. God is with us. One thing that we haven't touched on yet is the reality that anybody who's experiencing struggling or suffering that is like, why, when is God going to do something? Why doesn't God do something to stop this from happening? These verses remind us that God has done something, mm. that he let his son suffer to the maximum, to drink the fullness of the wrath of God, to experience that suffering and pain so that one day his people would no longer feel suffering and pain, that one day every tear would be wiped from our eyes and that we would be fully healed and with him. He has done something for us. It reminds us that God is for us to the point you just made and that God is in need of nothing. He wasn't lonely. He wasn't without love. He didn't want the attention. He had everything he needed within the Trinity. This is a sacrifice with nothing in return. He is doing it as an extension of his love and compassion towards sinners in need. He is in need of nothing. And then like we talked about too, it's God's work without us. Uh, the fact that they fall asleep is a remembrance to us that God is at work alone in saving sinners, that there is nothing we can add or take away from his finished work on the cross. We get to see, repent, believe in mm. the finished work. Amen. Well said, Oscar. And look, it, as we've been kind of flies on the wall, if you would, to this scene of Jesus in Gethsemane. Please on the wall. Please. Louses. Lice? Louses? Lice. 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 Really witnessing what Jesus did. I want to encourage you 
to soak yourselves in the scriptural accounts where we see Jesus living and doing, because it's through those that we really get a glimpse of who our Savior was, and it impacts our life. You know, Peter talked about how Jesus left us an example to follow in his footsteps in terms of how he suffered. I want to close with this poem I wrote years ago. I have a valiant hero who one day rescued me. He found me bound and bonded and chose to set me free. Although he knew the greatness of the price he'd have to pay, without a hesitation, he gave his life away. I could not understand it, and still I do not know why he treated me as friend when I had treated him as foe. If only you would meet him, you'd see that he is true, and he'd become your hero and gladly rescue you. Come now, adore his beauty, observe his pleasant ways, sit silently and listen and fix a steady gaze. Hear him speak his gentle words that calm the raging heart. See him mend and heal the lives that once were torn apart. Hear his sayings of wisdom. See his brilliant joys. Observe the great and violent hate his holy love destroys. Come and see humility that cannot be compared. Selfless generosity that gave and never spared. See compassion when he prayed and passion when he wept. See the truly righteousness he constantly displayed. He truly is a hero, and I'm glad that he is mine. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords divine. I long to be just like him, for surely he is great to follow in his every step and seek to imitate. Wow. And so, friends, I hope that encourages you and reminds you to follow in the footsteps of the Savior. Learn from these lessons here. Be those who cry out to the Father in anguish and, and, and sincerity and candidness. Be those who learn to uh, depend on, on the Father's will rather than your own. Be those who are willing to sacrifice on behalf of others. And he that, left us well, an that example. that poem was by memory, not read. Yeah. It's very moving when I see that. And easy, you've got to write a book with your poems. And I don't normally like poetry, but your poems are just so rich. Oh, thank you. Well, hopefully one day. Until then, I'll remain an idiot on the Living Waters podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, that's it. Make sure to check out all the stuff we talked about. I don't have energy to recant it, recap it all. See, I can't even say it right. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters. All together. Podcast. That's <laughs> <laughs> oval. That was the getting worst. worse. Where well, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs>